welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are. Fear hits us at the most unexpected moments. It can paralyze us if we allow it to control our lives. Join us now as we study how Hezekiah handled his fear as we continue our journey through the lineage of Jesus with Cheryl Broderson. Part 3 of Cheryl's message, Hezekiah, When I Am Afraid. These men did not answer a word, because that had been Hezekiah's command. But they took the words of Repshekah to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was deeply moved. He was afraid by these things. He tore his clothes, he covered himself in sackcloth, and he went to the house of the Lord. This is what he did with his fear. He mourned because of his fear. He realized that they were in a bad predicament, and he went to the house of the Lord. And then he sent Eliakim Shebna to Isaiah with this message. This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rebshekah, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Hezekiah refers to it, the Lord your God. Why? Because the condemnation was so strong. He was thinking, the Lord probably won't help me, but perhaps he'll help Isaiah. The Lord won't hear my prayer, but he'll hear the prayer of Isaiah. So he sins. Because often it was a prophet's ministry to also intercede for the nation. Hezekiah is afraid. But what we don't see in Hezekiah is panic. We see him going silent, not engaging with the enemy. This is so important to not engage with the enemy. Don't answer the enemy back. Um, I, a few weeks ago, I was under some warfare, and the enemy was saying these things to me. You know how they come to your mind? And I started to answer you know, the accusations back. No, I'm really a nice person. Have you ever done that to Satan? I'm really a nice person. You should leave me alone because I'm so nice. Like the enemy wants a nice person. Like the devil goes, oh, you're nice. I'll skip you then. He's like, no, you're nice. <laughs> you know, he's going to come on stronger against us. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't care about how good you are. He doesn't care. He, he wants you to be bad. He doesn't care about how good you are. He doesn't care about any appeasements. He doesn't care about any compromises. The enemy comes to rob, steal, and destroy. There's no other cause for him to come. He doesn't come to make a deal. He doesn't come to improve your life. He only comes to rob, steal, and destroy. So when we're trying to make appeasements to the enemy, it doesn't work. When we're trying to talk to him, rationalize, um, converse, reason. Have you ever tried to reason with somebody who's unreasonable? I'll never forget being in Hawaii years ago. 
And this woman was witnessing to this unreasonable man on the street. And she turned to me and she said, I want to give him a Bible. Let me have your Bible. This was like my favorite Bible. I love this Bible. It had a light brown suede cover. It was so cool. I, and I said, no, not my Bible. Um, I love this Bible. My mom and dad gave me this Bible. I, I don't want to give it away. And she just, you know, kind of strong on me. Cheryl, I'm your elder. I want him to have this Bible. She gave him the Bible and he took the Bible and he tore it in half right in front of me. I was so mad. I was mad at her. I wanted to kick her. I was mad at him too. Uh, honestly, I was a teenager. I wasn't strong in the Lord like I am now. <laughs> love, love. I was so mad. I was so mad. You know, that man was so unreasonable. He was so irrational. I could tell, tell it wasn't going to work. Jesus said, do not, do not give what is holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before swine. You know, what you've got from Jesus Christ is holy. And you've got these pearls that God has given you, certain promises that are so precious to you. And you know what? The enemy's not interested. He does not value them. He does not hold them in esteem. So trying to argue, trying to reason, trying to um, bring any clarity into an argument with the enemy is absolutely of no value. In fact, it's counterproductive. It's going to have the opposite effect that you think it will have. What works to go quiet? Don't engage with the enemy. What did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. On more than one occasion. Get thee behind me, Satan. Just, I'm not engaging with you. I'm not talking to you. And I loved how even when Jesus was in the wilderness with the enemy, all his answers were short. Very short. And it was the scripture. He did not engage with the enemy. He didn't say, well, how are you doing, Satan? Or why did you ask a question like that? Or what's, what's your motivation in asking these things or promising these things? Don't ask those things. Don't engage with the enemy. Don't talk to him. Keep silent. Let the Lord do the talking. You know, speak to the Lord, not to me. Take it to the Lord. Satan is not interested in your innocence, your kindness, or even your goodness. He wants your condemnation and your destruction. When they did speak to Rabshakeh, telling him, don't speak in Hebrew, speak in Aramaic, it only encouraged Rabshakeh to yell even more and to try to engage more people and intimidate more people. Hezekiah did recognize the dangerous nature of the enemy's threat, so he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth, but he went to the house of the Lord, and he asked the godly prophet to pray for him and the nation. Hezekiah's response to fear resulted in God's intervention and God's answering Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah, 2 Chronicles 19, 6 through 7. Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid of the words which you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own hand. In other words, God's saying, these are just mere words, but I'm God. Those are words. Those are intimidations. Those are meant to make you afraid, but they're just words. They're just vapor. They're going to pass, but I'm going to take a spirit and I'm going to put it on the enemy and I'm going to lead him away. Just as he meant to lead you away, I'm going to lead him away. 
Right after receiving this word, Rabshakeh finds out that the king of Syria has moved from Lachish and he is pushing forward in his conquest of Judah and he's now attacking the city of Libna. But as the forces of Sennacherib and Assyria are in Libna, they hear a rumor that the king of Ethiopia has attacked and they're drawn away and there's a short reprieve from the threats. But it's only temporary because the king of Assyria sends a message to Hezekiah And the gist of the message is, don't think this is over. Don't be deceived by your God. No one has been able to stand against me. You know, after the enemy threatened Jesus and offered him all those temptations in the wilderness, we read in Luke chapter 4 that he left them until a more opportune time. And that's what we see. It's a reprieve, but it's not over. The enemy is saying, I will be back. And again, Hezekiah is afraid. He takes the threatening note to the house of the Lord. He places it before the Lord and he prays. And in his prayer, the first thing he does is he acknowledges the greatness of the Lord. This is so important. When we're afraid, acknowledge the greatness of the Lord. Acknowledge how he's greater, not only than your fears, but he's greater than the situation. He's the God of Israel. These are his people. You belong to the Lord. He's the one who dwells between the cherubim, the greatness of his hosts. He is God alone, and there are no other gods, no other powers. He is the creator of heaven and earth. Then Hezekiah brings his situation to the Lord, and he asks the Lord to take note of all that Sennacherib has threatened and said. And then he brings out the reality of the situation. See, faith is not a blind eye to all that the enemy is doing. Faith looks squarely at all that the enemy has done and says, but God is still greater. God is still greater. You know, often there are people like, oh, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. No, sometimes what we need to do is say, it's really bad. This is how bad it is. And then hand that to the Lord. This is the situation. And that's what Hezekiah does. He deals with the reality of situation. The Assyrians have been victorious. Other nations have fallen. There were eight other kingdoms that had been put down. The other gods of those nations were defeated. But that's because they really weren't gods. They're the work of men's hands, wood and stone. And they've been thrown into the fire. And then... Give this to the Lord as an opportunity for God to come and get himself glory. Remember when Lazarus died and Jesus said, we're going to go to Bethany. And the disciples said, you know, that's a really dangerous place for you to go. Why are we going there? And Jesus said, because Lazarus is sick. And they're like, well, let him sleep and he'll get better. Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And it's good for your sakes that I was not there, that you might see the glory of God. Give this situation to God as an opportunity for him to get glory. It's one of the things my friend Nancy Sylvester does with whatever comes into her life. She always says, Lord, come and get yourself glory. Whether it's... um, uh, 
financial deficit in her home, in the church. She had adrenal breakdown. Whatever it is, she presents it to the Lord. Lord, come and get yourself glory. And the Lord does. I know I've told you this story before, but I love it. She was driving. She's a wild driver. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm terrified to drive with her. Um, and she was driving this one day and she got, she got pulled over. This is in England. And her, her three children were younger. They were sitting in the back. And here comes the policeman up to the side of the car. And all of a sudden, she hears the three children almost in unison saying, Oh, Lord, come and get yourself glory. <laughs> Interestingly enough, she looked at me and she goes, And I didn't get a ticket. The Lord is able to come and get himself glory. So he says, now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. Again, the Lord answers through Isaiah and he answers each one of the enemy's assaults. I'm going to go through this quickly because I still have 30 pages to go through today with you. I want to get to the main point because none of this has been the main point, but the main point is almost here. So he deals with the first assault. The first assault, remember, you're, you're so, all your reliance is wrong. The first assault is, God says, this is the virgin daughter. She's pure before God, so she has the right to rely on me. I'm her father. I'm standing behind her. And she is shaking her head behind your back because I'm with her. This, I'm her reliance. And her reliance on me is stronger than any force you have. The next, that they were too weak. God says to them, you're not dealing with men, but with me. You've lifted up your voice against me. You've reproached the Lord. And what God is saying, you're the weak ones because you're going to take on me. And compared to me, you are so weak. Did you not hear long ago how I made it from ancient times that I formed it? Now I have brought it to pass. Second Chronicles 19, 25 through 26. Third assault. They tried to say that God was not with Judah, but God is promising that he is with Judah and promising to fight for Judah. Therefore, I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips, and I will turn you back by the way which you came. Second Chronicles 19, 28. Fourth assault. That the people would be jeopardized by trusting in God. But God promised to take care of the people. In chapter 19, verse 29, God says that the people would be fed for the next two years. And then they would be able to sow and plant again. The fifth assault the enemy had said, uh, the false promises will take you. Everything will be better. But God says, you're not going anywhere. I'm going to hold you here. You will not be moved. You're going to eat the produce of the land. You're going to sow crops the third year, and they're going to spring up, and you will harvest them. He is going to sustain them. They would not be moved. God kept his word. We're told that God sent one angel. I love this. One angel into the camp of Assyria, and 185,000 valiant men were killed. We're told later that when Sennacherib returned to his own country, shamefaced, don't you love it? He returned shamefaced. I'd like to see it. It reminds me of that Guilty Dog YouTube video. What does shamefaced looked on Sennacherib? He was, it's really good on YouTube. But he was killed in his own country where he should have been the safest in his own country. He was killed in the temple of his God 
That God did not protect him. That God did nothing for him. And he was killed by his own family. He was the most vulnerable in the place he felt the safest. Hezekiah was afraid again when he was about to die in 2 Kings 20 verse 1. And Isaiah went to him and told him to get his house in order because he was about to die. Hezekiah turned his face to the Lord and prayed. Remember how I walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And he wept bitterly. We're told that God met Hezekiah because of his fear. He prayed and God met him and extended the life of Hezekiah by 15 years. What I want to say, here it is, main point. Everybody, here it is. Hezekiah was safer when he was afraid than when he wasn't afraid. Sometimes we are safer when we are afraid than when we're not afraid. And that was what was happening with Hezekiah. We had this woman, I won't tell you where, but we knew this woman and she came to me because she was so riddled with fears. But in her fearful state, she was at the church all the time. She was praying. She was reading her Bible. She went to a psychologist. They put her, or a psychiatrist, whichever one, put her on Prozac. She lost every single inhibition. She ended up being unfaithful to her husband. She ended up just going off the rails because she lost that fear. And I believe God had sent that fear to protect her from herself. And when she was afraid, she was safe and she was beneficial to the people of God. But when she lost that fear and had no fear, she became a detriment to her family, to her marriage, and even, yes, to the church. Hezekiah, when he was not afraid, maybe he wasn't afraid because, hey, God dealt with the Assyrians. He had overcome death. We find out that he did not repay the Lord according to the favor shown him. And because he was not afraid, not afraid of death, not afraid of any enemies, wrath was looming over Jerusalem because he was not thankful. He was not seeking the Lord as he had before. And we're told that he humbled himself. When he humbled himself, the danger was averted. But then when the Babylonians came to Jerusalem, and they, be, they came because of the amazing defeat of the Assyrians, because the Assyrians had been a threat to Babylon. And in Second Chronicles 32-31, uh, we're told that they came to see, to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land. Like, how did you defeat 185,000 of the most valiant soldiers? And Hezekiah was not afraid, and so he showed them the kingdom of Judah. And he showed them the treasuries of Judah, because by this time, the other kingdoms were so thankful that the threat of Assyria was gone, that they had replenished the treasury of Judah. But what happened, Hezekiah showed them everything. And the threat now to Judah and the destruction of Judah was more real than it had ever, ever been. You see, God wants to use our fear to make us more dependent on him. And we are safer when we are afraid and turning to him than when we are trusting in our own strength or even in the past victories of the Lord than when we are trusting in him and him alone. We cannot do away with fear, nor should we. 
but we should use fear as an ally. We should refuse to panic, to answer fear back, but we should use fear to cause us to seek the Lord and to put our trust entirely in the Lord. Self-confidence will leave us alone and leave us with only our own resources. But fear used in the right way will make us get such a grip on Jesus, will make us get such a hold on Jesus and say, I won't let go. When I was a little girl, my parents had put a plaque and I told you this before, Isaiah 41, 13, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help you. And I remember being a little girl and being afraid. And what I would do is every time I was afraid, I would just reach out my hand and I would just get a hold in my heart and mind of the hand of Jesus. And something interesting to me that I realized later is I'm right-handed. So if the Lord's holding my right hand, I'm pretty defenseless because he's got my right hand, which means he has to be all my defense. Because when he's holding my right hand with his left hand, his right hand, and we're told that the right hand of the Lord does valiantly, his right hand is free to move and to defend me and be everything that I need. Psalm 41, I, I mean, Isaiah 41 is a, is, a, is a place that I just rest and I go back to again and again. Interestingly enough, years later, I had never told Brian that Isaiah 41, 13 was my promise, my scripture. And so he tried to take Isaiah 41 as his own because God met Brian one night when he was struggling with a threat to Calvary Chapel Vista with all sorts of incoming trials. The Lord opened Isaiah 41 to him and said, this is for you. I have made you my sharp threshing sledge and you will you will pound down the nations. God spoke to him in Isaiah 41. God spoke to me through Isaiah 41. And I think, wow, that is so cool because we're married. And it works out really good that we're both in Isaiah 41. You know, fear, fear can, can throw us off our mark. But when we take that fear and we seek the Lord, we seek his promises, we seek his fellowship, we seek to grab onto his right hand and not let go, then fear becomes an ally against the destructive forces of the enemy. And God will work and do something greater than our expectations. And he alone will get the glory. You couldn't say that it was the forces of Hezekiah that beat back the Assyrians because it wasn't. It was one angel who slew 185,000 valiant men. To God be the glory. God alone. But he will get the victory if what time I am afraid, I will trust the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, in those times of fear, Lord, we don't have to feel condemned. We don't have to feel helpless. We don't have to compromise. We don't have to panic. But we do. We do need to get a hold of your right hand. And we do need to seek you. And we do need to pray before you and spread out the enemy's threats before you. 
and allow you to work and be God and come and get yourself glory. Lord, I pray that you would use our fears, Lord, for greater glory to your name, that you would take our fears and you would use our fears as a catalyst to trust in you to a greater degree than we've ever trusted before, that you would use our fears to lay a foundation of faith that we would continually resort to your greatness, your goodness, your power, your love for us, and your ability to beat the mountains into plains. So Lord, we present before you our fears. And we say, Lord, take these and use these fears for the greatest glory in Jesus' name. Satan wants to use fear to dismantle us. But my friend, when we seek the Lord, then fear becomes an ally against the destructive forces of the enemy. And then we get to see God work beyond our expectations. I love how David puts it in Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. If you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply visit our website at graciouswords.com or call 1-800-733-6443 and refer to it by name, which is Hezekiah, When I Am Afraid. Once again, our website is graciouswords.com and our toll-free number is 1-800-733-6443. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll continue our study on the life of Hezekiah in our series with Cheryl Broderson through the lineage of the king. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.